In today's show, I'm looking back at all of Sunday's action in the NBA. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today, I'm looking back at all of the action from Sunday, telling you what happened and maybe what it means. Let's talk about those games right now. But before I do, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. The first game, the early game, the Boston Celtics lose to the Pelicans, 115-120. An overtime game, the Pelicans with the biggest comeback in franchise history to get the victory here. On the Boston side of things, everyone's talking about the rock DJ, Robbie Williams. 21 minutes for Williams, 8 points, 13 boards, 4 blocks. He's at... Absolutely playing well at the moment. There's no doubt about that. Um, talk out of the Celtics as well. Yeah, that yeah, He's on a minutes limit. They're going to look to increase his minutes later in the season. How, though? That's the question that I keep asking. How? I know he's on a minutes limit, but Thompson played 30 minutes and Tice played 39 minutes. It is helping his current playing time situation that Marcus Smart is out, and they're playing two centers together at the four and the five in Thompson and Tice. So when Smart comes back, one of those guys is going to the bench. Is Thompson just going to go out of the rotation entirely? Grant Williams is out of the rotation at the moment. Do they move Shemi Ojale out entirely and play you know, Williams and Tice together in the second unit? Just finding that path for him to get to 24 minutes a night regularly is really tough because it means that you know, the decision would be moving on from Tristan Thompson. And Williams has not played more minutes in, uh, in a game than Thompson or Tice at all this season. We love the production. We love the permanent production. He does make a lot of mistakes out there still, but the Celtics love his potential. Look, if you want to take a flyer on someone, by all means, go ahead. But just also be wary of who you drop. Drop your flyer spot. Drop your streaming spot, by all means. No problem. And, and, and I'll probably do it as well. But just, just be aware of where he fits in this rotation moving forward. You know, I'm accused of being a Celtics hater at times, which I obviously am not. Well, not obviously, because some of you believe that I am. I'm not. Um, but yeah, when I talk about, oh, Jalen Brown's going to regress, it's just basing it on the fact that you know it's very hard to be a 57% long two shooter like he was at one point. And we're seeing that now. 25, 6, and 9 is still really good. 41 minutes is a lot. He shot 30% from the field. He was 8 of 9 from the line. He is now the 77th ranked player over the last two weeks, a far cry from the top 25 guy he was to begin this season. That is what I meant when I said that Jalen Brown is going to regress. We are literally seeing it happen now. Now, at this point, with his current production, maybe he's a buy low, and maybe he can jump back to being a top 50 player. But yeah, it is so dependent on his efficiency. He was great with assists, hit threes, scored well, great from the line as well, which is awesome. But the shooting numbers have been off for Brown. So maybe he's a buy low. Tatum had 32-9 and nine with three threes and two steals, but was pretty rough from the field and from the line, just 69% from the free throw line. Giggity. And 42% from the field, while Thompson had 14-9 and nine with two blocks. You do 
not have to do anything at all with Tristan Thompson. Although the 34 fantasy points looks nice, he is not an ad under any circumstance. Tice only played 39 minutes. That was 24 fantasy points. He had three blocks, five rebounds, and six, sorry, five points and six rebounds. He is, I believe, a 12-team league player. While Kemba Walker, ugh, ugh. 24% from the field, 14 points, four assists, one steal, and two blocks. Now, you get two blocks out of Kemba Walker, and it is, of course. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. But he's just so rough with some of these shooting numbers. He is um, at least the 79th-ranked player over the last two weeks. I don't think he's getting anywhere near the top 50 this season, would be my guess. And we've seen Grant Williams out of the rotation, and Ojale and Pritchard's minutes have been reduced. So someone like Aaron Neesmith can step up. 27 minutes for Neesmith, 10 points with two steals. Just still a very, very deep league guy. On to the Pelicans side of things. Um... Yeah, really good stuff again from a lot of these players. Josh the Hitman Hart, 41 fantasy points, 37 minutes, 17 and 10, three blocks, two threes. I think you've got to add him in 12-team leagues. He's consistently playing more minutes than Eric Bledsoe. And while he might not be a top 100 player, he could be a top 120 player. So he's an ad. Lonzo Ball, someone asked me on the live stream whether he's a must roster. Yeah, he is. 16 and 6, four assists, three threes and two steals. Ingram was great. 33 and 6 with five threes on absolutely elite shooting. And Zion Williamson wasn't his best game, but holy shit. 28, 10 and 4, again, a block. He just wasn't good from the free throw line. He is absolutely amazing. 46 fantasy points here for Zion. Eric Bledsoe. Get that garbage out! 8 points in 25 minutes. Surely you've made the move, but my roster percentage figures would tell me that you haven't. Do it. Get rid of him. While Bill Hernan Gomez started for Stephen Adams, 6 and 13. He's just a streamer. They decided to go to an absolute shit ton of Nicola Melli minutes. 17 consecutive minutes, in fact, for Melli. He was a plus 18 in that playing time, but had three points on seven shots. Hernan Gomez just isn't going to push to 30 minutes, it doesn't look like, while uh, Adams is out. While it wasn't a great game from Kyra Lewis, just uh, the zero points in seven minutes. But he did have three assists, and you know that I do like him as a long-term option. Um, Guys, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but only when you use the promo code Locked On. That's one word. Locked On is the promo code for a 50% welcome bonus. Go to betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's go on to the second game of the day, and this was a pretty big win. The Thunder beat the Cavs 117-101. Shea Gildas-Alexander, 31 points, 9 assists, 76 true shooting, elite stuff from Shea, while Al Horford was also pretty good, 16-8 and eight with two steals and two threes, but of course, it's likely that he won't play on Monday. Your mate, Theo Maladon, had 14 points in 33 minutes with three threes and three assists. He shot the ball well. I believe that he is a must-roster 12-team league player. Starting point guards with significant room to improve don't grow on trees, and that's what Maladon is. He's a starting point guy with plenty of room to improve. So you add him, you figure this shit out. He's 113th ranked player over the last two weeks. That'll do it. That'll do it for me. And then we see where it goes. The Oklahoma City mudflap, Kenrich Williams, 19 minutes, eight points and had four steals. He's more of that deeper league guy, but over the last two weeks, he's a top 100 player. Now it is in 28 minutes a night when a bunch of guys were out. So don't read into that too much. Lou Dort. 
No, my son is also named Bort. Uh, 10 points in 31 minutes for Dort. He is not a top 200 player this year. He had 14 fantasy points. He is a clear 12-team drop to me, as is MC Hamadou Diallo. Also, not a top 200 player this year. Not even a top 200 player over the last two weeks. 15 points here. Hit all of his free... Th- uh, sorry. Hit all of his field goals, 5 of 5. But 5 of 9 from the line is pretty rough. He's not a 12-team league guy. And neither is Darius Baisley. Four points in 30 minutes. He had that nice little three-game stretch where he was putting it together, and the last two have been brutal. He's the 179th-ranked player. We persisted. We could see if there was the, he'd turn it around with the opportunity. He's not. Screw him. Like, see you later. That's it. Bye, Darius Baisley. Maybe we'll add you as a streamer later on. For the Cavs, 42 minutes for Jarrett Allen. 26 and 17 with three blocks on 100% shooting. That's obviously really good. Darius Garland, 21-3-8 and eight with three steals in 38 minutes. That was really good. The Padawan Colin Sexton played 40 minutes. He had 27 points. But as per usual, it's just so limited. Three assists, one three, zero steals, zero blocks. This is why he's the 142nd ranked player in fantasy over the last two weeks. He struggles in so many areas. And I'm going to throw a controversial statement out to you. Statement. I think that there is an... Almost equal chance that Darius Garland ends up a better player than uh, Colin Sexton over the next five years. Sexton, you know, has some really good games. He scores so well, and he does it really efficiently a lot of the time. But he's just so empty and so lacking in other areas. Whereas Garland's got the ability to be a scorer, to be a shooter, and to be a distributor, and maybe to be a pretty good defender. Um, uh, maybe that is probably pretty controversial. But I can see it being the case. I can definitely see Garland being a better fantasy player than Sexton with the way things are trending at the moment. But I'm not not ruling that out as a possibility. But you know, over the last two weeks, Garland's 82nd and Sexton's 142nd. That's a very big difference. And if, by, by the way, if Darius Garland is for some reason floating on your uh, waiver wire, yeah, you you add him. Simple as that. He's a must roster player. Uh, the Discman, Chetty Osman, six points. He shit the bed with a shooting 25% there. Six rebounds, four assists, and three steals. Good minutes, good production, relatively across the board. But of course, there's no love, there's no Nance, there's no Prince. And those guys come back, then uh, CD goes back to the bench and doesn't do a huge amount in those spots. Good game from uh, Isaac Okoro as well. 12 points with four threes and three steals. But I'd like to see a little bit more than that before uh, Cleveland's Lou Dort becomes a 12-team league ad. He is uh, not a good fantasy producer at this point in his career. Let us go. Next game. And this one had some wildness to it. The Orlando Magic beat the Pistons 105-96. Dennis Smith Jr. predictably got the start in uh, with D-Lon right out. He played 15 minutes. He had six points with two threes and two steals. Now, if you haven't heard of this bloke's name, and he's probably not even available to add on ESPN. I'm just going to check that because you know that I love to shit on people who don't do their job properly. Um, so let's have a look. Is is this man available on ESPN? Guys, take a guess. Saban Lee, can we add him on ESPN? Yes, we can. Celebrate good times. Um, I didn't have a sound drop for that, so I had to improvise. Um, Saban Lee is available, and he played really bloody well. 33 minutes, 12 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, and importantly, 33 minutes to Dennis Smith's 15. Will your mate Dwayne Casey make the switch next game? Almost definitely not. But will Lee get more minutes than Smith? I'd say that's a huge chance. Would I take a flyer on Saban Lee for the short term? It's two weeks. Would I do it over Dennis Smith? Well, I've seen Dennis Smith go out there and slang his wood around and not be good. I haven't seen Saban Lee do it before. 
it's probably the wrong move. I would be okay in doing it. It's one game. Is one game a trend? Of course not. Is one game an indication of a future trend? Perhaps. I tell you what this one game doesn't do. It doesn't give me confidence in Dennis Smith. I know that much. So if I want to move on, move on. Try try saving Leah. Josh Jackson had 17 and 10. That's great. And the rest of the line is shit house. 30% from the field and 75 from the line. He is still a 12-team league guy. While Big Deke Energy, just 30 minutes for Sadiq Bay, 11 and 8 with three threes. The last three games have been 100% mediocre. And that's fine. I think that's just who he is. I think people get so caught up in how good he was in that little two-game stretch where he hit on 130% of his threes and did so much, and it was just completely out of character. Is he fine for 12-team leagues? Absolutely. You have him in a 12-teamer, but in realism, like realistically, look at your roster. Is he your 12th best guy or your 13th best guy? That's probably where he sits. And if he's consistently your 13th best guy, then the spot's streamable. But for now, we add him. We see what happens. He's got a solid role. I'm just not sure there's enough uh, quivers in the, in the bow. Is that the right thing? Sure. He's, or enough arrows in the quiver. That's what I'm looking for. There's not, not enough arrows in the quiver for Bay to be a consistent, very good fantasy player. Mason Plumley had 10 and 7 with two steals, while Jeremy Grant, 24, 5 and 4. Great game from Grant, who'd been sliding a little bit outside the top 50 over the last two weeks. 34 fantasy points there for him. Uh, first on the team with uh, Saban Lee, second, which of course everyone could have predicted. For the Magic, Nikola Vucevic, 64 fantasy points, 37 and 12, two blocks and two threes. Amazing. Evan Fournier, 31 minutes, 29.7 rebounds and seven assists. Since he came back from the back injury, he's the 22nd ranked player. It's, it's three games, of course, but it's still ridiculously good. Now, I would say sell high, but who the hell is going to buy Evan Fournier at this level? Absolutely nobody. So make sure he's not on your waiver wire. Grab him. Ride it out. Be excited. One hand on the mouse, one hand somewhere else. And let's see where it goes. How about the chief? El Farouk Aminu. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Uh, old school listeners to the show will know that that is the origin of that sound drop. The Chief Al Farouk Aminu. Amazingly, he started. He played 19 minutes and he had four steals and two blocks. 3.6 rebounds, two assists. Now he's filling in for Aaron Gordon and I wish the coward Steve Clifford would just start Chuma Akiki. But it's very clear that Gary Clark isn't the answer and it's also very clear that Kim Birch is not the answer. So by all means, give Aminu a shot. Am I adding him? God, no. What are you, what are you talking about? But those defensive stats as a defensive streamer, sure. Terry Ross had 17 points, must Ross to play while Mick Carter-Williams, my God. If this guy doesn't piss on your percentages every game, it's a surprise. Three points, nine rebounds, five assists, one steal, one block. Look, the rest of that's great. If you just put a little blinker across the points and the percentages, nine, five, one, and one. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff, Michael. And then uh, the rest is rough. But I think he should be on someone's roster in a 12-team league. Wasn't a great night from Akiki, two points. Well, uh, Dwayne Bacon improved on his last game. He had seven points in seven shots here. Last game, he had a 16 trillion. He is obviously not very good at the game of NBA basketball. Uh, guys, you know what's back? It's Built Bar. Built Bar is back. The best tasting protein bar ever has come back hard AF. Six new flavors. Ch- caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cack, cack, cake, apple almond crisp. As the kids would say, these flavors are tough. 
It joins the 12 original flavors, salted caramel, banana bread, peanut butter, and these taste like candy bars. It's not like the standard protein bar where you have to hold your nose and have your eyes water as you try and swallow down something you'd scrape out of a diaper. No, these taste brilliant. Fantastic, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and you'll notice I use the term diaper instead of nappy to cater to my US audience. Peanut butter bar, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and just 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bar has also a promo code, and it's locked on. What a coincidence. That's the name of this network. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. The promo code is locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, next game the Philadelphia 76ers, the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors get the win, 110-103. The Sixers were up huge to begin with, and the Raptors come back and win it. Dan Green, he did his best El Farouk Aminu impression with five steals and two blocks. Hit three triples, and you want nothing to do with him in a 12-team league. I I know he's the 129th-ranked player this year, but he is not someone to roster in a 12-team format. In points leagues, he had 32 fantasy points, but he's not a rosterable guy there. Joel Embiid, just horrendous shooting. Twenty percent, Sorry, 30% on 20 attempts is rough. And still, he had 25-17 and 17 with two blocks. Even on his shit nights, it's good. Ben Simmons had 28, 9, and 5 with a steal on 82% shooting. And again, encouragingly, 71 from the line on 14 attempts. He's really improving in that area. While the thick hogsman, Tobias Harris. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. 37 minutes, 13, 4, and 7, a triple one. Yeah, pretty good night, but a rough night in terms of the shooting numbers. And here's time for explain a nickname. Why is Tobias Harris called the Thick Hogsman? Well, in the preseason, I just consistently said he's the most boring fantasy player there is. He sort of just does what he does. He gives average production across every category. I just don't, couldn't think of anything exciting to say about him. So that's not fair because he's a good player. And then I watched Big Mouth Season 4, and they were talking about being Thick Hogsman, meaning you have a girthy appendage, thick dick however you want to say it. So they'll call themselves Thick Hogsmans, and they'll call themselves TH, as evidenced by that clip. And then I thought, well, you know, his initials are TH. Let's spice it up a bit. Maybe he is rocking a Thick Hog. Who knows? Tobias Harris is your Thick Hogsman. Anyway, Seth Curry, 12 points, 35 minutes, six assists with a steal on a block. Now, those assists are really great in order for him to get value. I'm not sure I 100% believe it. I think he's more of a 12-team streamer, but they're still good. Uh, they're still really good numbers. Well, Shake Milton returned to action in this one. Nine points with three triples in 29 minutes. He was pretty rusty. He's only a, a stream option. Well, Isaiah Joe, he looked to take Ty- Furkan Korkmaz's minutes. Mike Scott's are out of, the, out of the rotation, and now Joe's coming in. And Doc was pretty effusive in his in his praise, especially defensively. But Joe, yeah, Joe's not probably going to even crack the top 300 this year. Let's be honest. I thought it was a good draft pick at the time, but he's not going to have too much of a fantasy impact this year. For the Raptors, they didn't start Chris Boucher. But it turns out maybe he can do some things against Embiid. 25 minutes, 17 points, five threes, three blocks. It's going to be up and down from the wiki. There's no worries about that. It's going to happen, but he's he's going to produce when he gets the minutes. Van Vliet had 23, 5, and 9 when Siakam had 23, 7, and 8. They started small, but they did go back to Bain starting in the second half with DeAndre Bembry coming off the bench. Bembry had eight points in 20 minutes. And it was finally time for a shit Norman Powell game. 11 points in 26 minutes on 27% shooting. This is very reminiscent of the Powell that began this season. He has been riding a completely, in my opinion, unsustainable and unbelievable hot streak. 
He's somewhat of a sell high if you can pull it off, but otherwise you just ride it out. I still don't know what's going to happen when everyone is fully healthy. Will they commit to this small ball lineup? Because that really does help Powell, but then he'll have some shit nights like this. And he has had a couple of bad nights in this uh, in this recent uh, stretch, in this small uh, rotation. In terms of guessing the Raptors bench rotation, it's almost impossible. 26 minutes for Terrence Davis. Like, why is Redacted getting this many minutes? Eight points, two threes, two steals. I just, and Malachi Flynn doesn't play at all. It is literally just a... Let's pick a name out of a hat every night to see who gets the most minutes. And it's really tough for fantasy. Baines, he played 30 minutes and he did uh, absolutely nothing, which again is, is not huge, huge amounts of a surprise for Aaron Baines considering how he's been this season. And we don't really need to do anything for him in terms of uh, in terms of his fantasy value. But a, a really good win. And the Raptors are above 500 now after that horrible start to the season. Let's go next game. We're looking at the Minnesota Timberwolves. They go down to the Knicks in the end, 103-99. Knicks were up big at halftime. The Wolves came back, hit the lead, and then the Knicks get the win in the end. The big fella, Carl Anthony Towns, only 31 minutes, but 27 and 15, three threes and three blocks. I think we forget just how good this guy is. He's already the fourth-ranked player on a per-game basis. His wrist isn't even right. He drops 60 fantasy points. There are so many people who are like, oh, I need to trade Towns because he's going to get shut down. You know how I feel about shutdown talk. I really am not interested in hearing it at all. But um, if you could, the only time I would trade Towns is if I'm getting an equivalent player back. An equivalent player back is Embiid, it's Jokic, it's Curry. That, look, it's a top five player. Like that's an equivalent player back. I, I don't believe that he's just going. Look, he, he maybe when you get to May, he'll sit games out. You shouldn't be playing fantasy basketball in May though. Ravishing Rick Rubio must roster player 18.6 assists in 27 minutes. He's got that short term value. While if you're looking for assists off the waiver wire, Jordan McLaughlin. Another six dimes here with eight points in 21 minutes. Malik Beasley, a bit of a rough go of things again. Six points and only took six shots. 8% usage. That's a weird one. Don't read too much into that. While Anthony Edwards, again, just he cannot shoot. It's it's a real problem. 27% from the field for 12 points with three threes. I think he's got much better value in a points league, although he only had 19 points here. He is still probably a 12-team league must-hold player, but you're going to have nights where he just kills you with that with the percentages. Absolutely kills you. Jared Vanderbilt, drop him in 12-team as he played only 16 minutes for two points, while Jaden McDaniels only got the 22 minutes. He's probably more 14-team league than 12-teamer. We had these weird, you know, seven Lehman minutes and eight Okogi minutes and 11 Hernan Gomez minutes, and that probably had an impact on what Vanderbilt was able to do. Um, the Knicks, the double royal, Julius Randle. Twenty-five and fourteen with four assists in thirty-nine minutes, forty-four fantasy points. That's really good. Well, we got twenty-nine minutes out of Noel, ten and nine with two blocks. He's a must-roster player. While well, Ron Barrett Jr. Nice triple one for him. Twenty-one points, missed his only free throw. One of his better recent games, which is isn't hard considering he's ranked two hundred and sixth over the last two weeks. I think he's a must-roster points league player. I do not think the same of him in category leagues. Only nine minutes for Emmanuel Quickly and nine minutes for Obi Toppin. Who said that Tom Thibodeau hates rookies? Who, who started that rumor, Tom? What do you got to say for yourself? I, I played Derek Rose and he was he was young. Okay, Tom. Um, nine minutes for Emmanuel Quickly. Five points with the constant kids' closure ears. Fuckery with his guard rotation. It's really hard to trust quickly as a long-term guy. I think Rose is a drop, four points in 19 minutes. And of course, whenever you've got the opportunity to give 32 minutes for Alfred Payton, you've got to do it. 11.7 assists for Alfred in this one. Uh, Alec Burks, only 19 minutes. It's just all over the shop with those guys. Bullock, Burks, Payton, Rose, quickly. They're just all over the place. Very, very hard to nail them down. And I don't think any of them are must-roster 12-team league players. 
We got 10, 10 points in 31 minutes out of Reggie Bullock, though, so that's cool. And Obi Toppin played nine minutes and has been somehow worse than I anticipated. I don't know how that's possible. Um, all right, next game we take a look at here. The Nuggets, the Hawks. This one was, uh, the margin was a lot larger until the Nuggets came back late. The Hawks went at 123-115. The headmaster, Jamal Murray, with another super efficient night. 30 points with four assists and two steals in his uh, 35 minutes, while Big Chungus was not all that good. Big, big Chungus, big Chungus, big Chungus. Now, I say that comparing to his usual standard. 15, 10, and 6 with three steals is a bloody good game. But he shot 33% from the field, and he wasn't at his best. While Faku Kompatsu, Kompatsu, in fact, 27 minutes, 16 points, four threes. Another good game from Faku. Now, what do we do with Faku here? It looks like Gary Harris is going to be out for a while. We don't know how long, but it does look like he is going to... Um, they said, we've got to be careful with Gary. It's a real shame. I'm so upset for Gary. We've got to take our time. So it looks like he's going to miss a little bit of time here. Big Gaza. Um, so that's somewhat of a worry in terms of what his um in terms of what his production is going to look like and yeah, how this rotation is going to look. So I think we need to be bracing for the fact that Harris isn't there. But that does give that opportunity for Faku to be a 20-minute-a-night guy. Now, it's probably only a deeper league scenario, but you've got to pay attention. Monty Morris, 32 minutes, 15, 7, and 6. He was playing pretty well. But what about Michael Porter? Literally any excuse that Michael Malone can find to bench him, he will. I think, pure speculation, I think Malone hates him. I think Malone hates his anti-vax strategies or beliefs. I think Malone hates his cavalier attitude towards COVID. I think Malone hates the way he plays basketball a lot of the time. I am not trying to put words into Michael Malone's mouth and Malone can deny this. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I know this at all. That is how it looks from the outside. I think his teammates get pissed with him. Anytime he makes a mistake, the body language is horrible. I think he's just not a well-liked person on that team. Pure, pure speculation, pure speculation. So anytime there's a chance he will get benched. Malone said, oh, we're playing like, we're playing like ass, I believe is what he said, or, or to say it in the American accent, we're playing like ass. So he went with Morris over Porter and that was his explanation. But as I said, any little thing and Porter will get benched. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident with that at this point. We're not dropping Mick, but that little run at the start of the season feels like absolutely years away. It just feels so far away at this point. Barton had 15 points in 26 minutes. Well, it was the first start in Zeke Naji's career. He didn't do much with it. Seven points in 30 minutes, and he only got it because Green and Millsap were both out. But at least that's a deeper league stream if those guys do happen to remain silent. Although they don't think that Green's injury is anything serious, and he should be returning pretty soon. On the Hawks side of things, I know people criticize me a lot about John Collins. Man, you're such a hater. You hate John Collins. What's going on? I'm, I'm just trying to be realistic. 12 and 11 in 30 minutes for two blocks. The only reason you'd buy low on Collins is you're expecting a trade because Atlanta doesn't value him. Atlanta's not going to be using him as the second guy. This is who he is. He's the 55th ranked player this year. He's 62nd across the course of the year. It's going to get worse when DeAndre Hunter returns and when Bogdan Bogdanovich returns. It will get worse unless he's on a new team. I'm not a hater. I like John Collins. He's a great fantasy player, but you got you got to look at the system and the situation and it's not good. Trey Young had 34, 6, and 15, and Clint Capella, the Kerner, he had 22 and 10. And the Italian cock. Hands off my cock. 21 minutes for Gallinari, 12 points, 5 rebounds, 2 steals, but more importantly, 5 of 5 from the line and 50% from the field. Should he be rostered in 12-team leagues? Get that garbage out of here! 
He should not. He is just a stream option for 12 teamers. Tone Snell got hot. Four threes for 12 points on 80% shooting. And Fanda Pants had 11-4-2. He has been pretty poor recently, Herder. If there's someone on the wire you want to take a flyer on, maybe it's big fella Saban Lee. Um, I think Herder can be considered expendable. And Cam Reddish back to shooting like shit again. He had that little stretch of two or three games in a row. I want to see him do it for two months. He needs to be a good shooter for two months before I believe he's a good shooter. Because at this point, he is not only a bad shooter, he is one of the worst shooters in the entirety of the NBA. And that is not good for fantasy business. All right, let's move on to the next game. The Brooklyn Nets, they get the win over the Clippers, 112-108. No Kevin Durant again, but Jimmy Harden. Oh, boy. 37-11-7. When he needs to ramp up the usage, it can happen pretty good. Two steals. Uh, weirdly, only 64% from the line, but 52% from the field. And he is now the number three ranked player this year. It's climbing back up there. DeAndre Jordan came off the bench and played one of his best games of the year. 32 minutes, 13-11 and 11 with a steal and four blocks. He's playing much better off the bench than he was earlier this season. If you need some uh, field goal percentage and rebounds, he does have value there, but this is a, an outlier high performance. Same goes for Bruce Brown. 13-8. and eight. Four steals, an absolute outlier. outlier. He can be a steal streamer, but not someone as consistent as, say, Matisse Thibel in that area. Timotei Lawawu Cabro only played six minutes, and that probably contributed to Brown playing as much as he did. Well, Landry Shamet had a uh, revenge game for three points in 18 minutes. Kyrie, 28-4-8, another strong game there, and Smoke and Joe Harris, the 13 points. Jeff Green didn't do too much, did have a locker room trip with his uh, land on his shoulder there, five points in 34 minutes. Nick Claxton was available to play, but they opted not to play him. Uh, I'm really going to pay attention to him over the next couple of weeks to see if he can get in and get into the rotation. For the Clippers, Paul George, he didn't play down the stretch of this game. He was on a minutes limit, that's why. He ended up with 34 points in 33 minutes. Six rebounds, seven assists, one steal, two blocks, 63%. Um, yeah, look, that's just a huge game. While Kawhi had 29 and 13 with five threes. Only 21 minutes again for Serge Ibaka. Eight and eight. Uh, 160th ranked player over the last two weeks. I think he's a clear 10-team league drop. I think he's trending towards being that in 12-teamers as well. Zubats had 13 and eight. He played 20 minutes as they went small quite a bit also. Um, Nick Batum. Not great. Three and six with two assists and a block. I still think he's a 12-team league guy, but Marcus Morris isn't. He had five points in 25 minutes. And the Lou Williams drop uh, drop zone, I reckon we're here. Get that garbage out of here! It's not the fact that he went two of 11 for five points. It's the fact that he played 22 minutes with everyone healthy. That's the real problem. Paddy Beverly, 28 minutes, five, four, and four. He is a fringe 12-team league guy. I think in certain circumstances, I would consider him, and he's an absolute must-roster 14-team league player. Well, Terrence Mann's the guy that got the minutes over the duck. Luke Kennard, before the game, Ty Luz said it would sort of be situational as to which one of those guys is the last man of the rotation, which is pretty wild to think Terrence Mann is getting uh, getting minutes over uh, Luke Kennard. Reggie Jackson, also only four minutes. So if you still have him for some reason with everyone back, you can uh, you can drop his ass as well. Okay, so before we go on to the last game, there was some breaking news that happened, and I've already you know I, I record the segments recapping games basically straight after the games happen, and then you know we we go through and do it as, as I don't do it all in one hit. That's what I'm trying to say. So I talked about the Timberwolves and their game against the Knicks. And then after that game, they fired their head coach. Ryan Saunders is gone. You know, I've talked plenty of times on this podcast about how he is the uh, how he is the worst uh, coach in the NBA. The Timberwolves finally decided they are, what, 7-20 and 20 something this year. They are struggling in a big way. And almost immediately, in fact, seven minutes after the announcement came out that um, uh, Saunders was gone, Sham Sharania reported that Chris, Chris Finch will be appointed the new head coach couple of things to talk about here. 
it was the right decision to fire Saunders. We never want a guy to lose his job. We appreciate what he and his dad did for the franchise. He was the wrong hire at the time, and he's gone. And we, we hope he moves into an assistant coach role somewhere. So firing him now is fine as well. You got you, There's no point going on with a guy that you know isn't the coach. Yep, no problem with that. The I think the issue that people have is that a guy that's been considered a really a top-ranking assistant coach who should get a head coaching position for a while, David Vanterpool, is currently an assistant coach in Minnesota. So he wasn't even given an opportunity to be the interim head coach to see how that went. And I know that pisses people off. He had a, a great resume in Portland, great... Um, uh, you know, testimonials from players and coaches. People love David Vanterpool. Now, I can understand the Wolves saying, well, shit, you're part of the coaching staff and we're this shit house that we want to bring someone else in. Chris Finch has been a developmental coach long time in New Orleans. He worked with Nikola Jokic at the start of his career in Denver. He worked in Houston and he was a coach for Houston's G League team. And he currently is an assistant coach in Toronto. And we know that yeah, the Nick Nurse coaching tree is working pretty well. Nate Bjorkman in Indiana, of course, Nick Nurse himself. And now a guy like Finch, who's got a lot of credentials. There's nothing wrong with the Finch hire at all. But this is something that seems a little bit weird to have a guy like Vanterpool on staff and not give him that opportunity. I would love to see Vanterpool get that opportunity. Finch is absolutely deserving of this, but it does feel a little bit weird that you fire someone and then seven minutes later, you've got the guy already ready to go. So obviously there was no full interview process going on here. They did interview Finch back when they hired Saunders. And I get the impression that ownership was just pushing, hey, let's just keep Ryan here. I believe Ryan Saunders was actually on that coaching interview panel that hired himself. So that's part of the process that I'm talking about. Um, and Gerson Rosas wanted Chris Finch because he'd already interviewed him. So I guess that's part of it as well, but it is a a little bit iffy. Now, to talk about Finch, I expect quite a few things to change here. I don't know what it does for values of players or anything like that. The the obvious question mark is what happens at Power Forward. Jared Vanderbilt is starting, playing 20 minutes. Jaden McDaniels is coming off the bench and playing more minutes. I'd like to see McDaniels Towns front court and see what can happen there. See how that can work. But whatever it is, I don't think we need to see any more Josh Okogie. I'd like to see them give Jarrett Culver more of an opportunity, but he can't really play the four and he shouldn't play over Beasley and Edwards. So when he comes back, I don't know where he fits in. The one thing I want to see what happens is this should become a better offense. Uh, Chris Finch has designed plenty of great offensive plays back in his time with Denver. And with a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, who under Tom Thibodeau and now under Ryan Saunders, the usage just never been high enough. They've let ball-dominant, inefficient guards dominate the play. Anthony Edwards this year, Jeff Teague, Derek Rose in the past, um, Andrew Wiggins in the past, which was nonsense offense. So I want to see Finch look at Towns and go, I know Big Chungus. You can be you know, my new Big Chungus, Little Chungus, Big Chungus Jr., whatever it is. Now, he is not the passer that Jokic is. Nobody is. But he is quite a good passer for a center. There's no reason that he can't have a passing resume like Zion Williamson, Al Horford, um, Mason Plumley, as that sort of center. Don't be shocked, maybe shocked a little bit, but don't be shocked if Towns comes out and averages six assists per game. He should also see his usage jump up. Now, I talked about Towns already and said that he's already the number four ranked player. So it's not like, hey, can I buy low on Towns? Because you can't buy low. He's a top four player. But I'd expect him to get better from here. 
I think it might mean that Edwards takes better shots and his efficiency might rise. And hopefully we get a resolution to the Vanderbilt and McDaniels front court pairing and they just don't worry about a Kogi. Now, that, sometimes a new coach, it takes time for decisions to be made. Nothing happens straight away. It often will be the next off-season where things get done more rather than, hey, you come in one day and coach the next day. I don't expect big changes to lineups or anything along those lines. And it's not like um, Saunas was going out there and not playing young guys because they, they were. There was just some incoherence with lineups at times and over-reliance on guys like Akogi um, and you know poor offensive scheming. And that's what will change more than rather than he wasn't playing the right guys at the right time. I don't think that was too much of the problem here. It wasn't like, yeah, I'm just going to heavily rely on Ed Davis and not give you know, Naz Reed minutes or not give Vanderbilt or McDaniels minutes. Saunders was doing that. It's not a development issue in that regard, but a better development coach who can run a better offense and hopefully a better defense as well is what Finch can do. So I'm pretty excited to see what happens. I'm pretty excited to see what this means for Carl Anthony Towns. I'm pretty excited at what it means for Anthony Edwards and Malik Beasley. Um, uh, of course, D'Angelo Russell is not playing on this team. Yeah, what sort of decision will he make regarding Russell and his role in the offense and his use in the offense, that remains to be seen. But I don't think there's going to be some sort of diamond in the rough player come out of nowhere. Maybe it is Culver, but again, you're not playing him over Beasley and Edwards, so I don't really see how that's going to work. And it's it's most likely, if it's going to be anyone, it's going to be McDaniels who's going to step up. But that's the real focus point that we need to pay attention to as to what's going to happen there. But that is breaking news that I had to get you know some initial thoughts out on, and it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out as we move forward. Now, let's move on to the last game of the night the Sacramento Kings and the Milwaukee Bucks. Big win for the Bucks in this one. 128, one, oh, not even 128, 112. 128-115. Sorry, I had my old uh, old score up there. This wasn't even as close as that score would indicate. The Bucks were up pretty big in this one. There was no Harrison Barnes, but Rashawn Holmes returned. He got into foul trouble, played only 21 minutes, 11 and 11 on 71% shooting. Make sure no one dropped Rashawn Holmes in your league. Go and add him. Big game from Tyrese Halliburton. They just need to start this guy. Simple as that. He's better than Buddy Heald already. 23-5-8, two steals, a block, and three threes. And yeah, they're trying to yeah, showcase Heald for a trade. You know what they're showcasing? That Heald is shithouse. That's what they're doing. Everyone's watching and going, man, Buddy Heald shouldn't be starting for this team. Hope I can trade for him. Make sure Halliburton's on, uh, not on your waiver wire either. How about Daquan Jeffries, the man that ESPN deemed not worthy enough to be picked up in fantasy leagues, started, played 40 minutes, had 18 and 6 with two threes, a steal on a block. Didn't shoot all that well. Now, I've talked about him when he was coming back saying, hey, he's going to take Glenn Robinson's rotation spot. I didn't expect this, of course. Nobody should have or could have expected this, and you shouldn't expect this as we move forward. But in deeper leagues, I imagine he remains a rotation player. And he's someone who's really, really stepping up. And if the Kings do decide to move on from Heald or do decide to move on from the pencil, then Jeffries can be an option in 14-team leagues as we move forward. Fox only had 13 points, shooting horribly. 29% from the field and 50 from the line, but the 10 assists and two steals are nice. While we got 29 Marvin Bagley minutes and he was eh, 12-6 and six with a block, I do not believe he is a 12-team league player. And Heald had 13 points and another absolutely horrendous shooting night. For a bloke that's a good shooter, he's actually the worst good shooter in the NBA. 13 points on 13 shots with two triples. He's the 94th ranked player this year. You can't drop him, unfortunately. But man, just need him to do something that's good. How about your mate? The world. If you ever do anything for me in your life, please just drop Hassan Whiteside. He's rostered in 86% of advanced leagues. What are you blokes doing? 
He's the 238th ranked player this year, but to be fair, he is 125th over the last two weeks with those absences to Holmes. But Holmes is back, so you can, in fact... Get that garbage out of here! Absolutely. For the Bucks, Middleton, 32, 8, and 6 with four steals and two blocks. And the big fella, Yanni Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo. 79% from the line on 24 attempts. What? 19 of 24. 38 and 18 is really good. Paddy Connaughton with another good game, 12 and 6. And the big ragu had 16 points in 31 minutes. But it does look like Drew Holiday's return is going to be soon. He's back with the team. So I'd imagine it's just a conditioning thing. And then he'll be back. So that means DiVincenzo can be a drop. And DJ Augustin, who had five assists and two steals in another start, he's a drop. And Bryn Forbes would be a drop in those scenarios. Is Brooke Lopez a drop? It bloody looks like it, doesn't it? Six points in 24 minutes with a block in 10 teamers. Give him the arse. In points leagues, give him the ass. In 12-team category leagues, I'm probably still stubbornly holding, but I'm not sure, mate. Also, pretty shit run from Bob Portis. Eight and eight in 24 minutes. He is outside the top 150 over the last two weeks. And this is the Bob Portis that I've known for four, five, six years. A guy that's not good enough to be a 12-team must roster player. His numbers this year will tell you that he is. Me telling you what he is as a player will tell you that he isn't. I'm still holding him. But we are seeing Bob Portis regression back to bad Bob Portis, and we need to pay attention to that. That will do it for looking at the games today. Let's move across to look at the top ads over the last 24 hours. The Discman, Chetty Osman, plus 10.6%. That's just a stream scenario. While Robbie Williams up 10.4%. Absolutely fine to take a flyer on him. Just understanding that there might be a minute squeeze coming at some point. Paddy Beverly up 10%. I like that one. Farku's up 8%. Um, yep, I think that's fine, but it's probably more 14-team leagues than 12-teamers. Well, Dennis Smith up 8%. Well, did he shit the bed today? Very interesting to see what happens on uh, Tuesday when they play the Magic again to see whether it's Saban Lee or Dennis Smith in that spot. I reckon Smith there yeah, might be expendable. Drops. Jinglin Joe's down 13%. Makes sense. Grayson Allen down 10%. I guess with Winslow returning, we're not having high hopes there. I understand that. Dylan Brooks down 7%. Yep, get rid of him. Uh, in category leagues, in points leagues, I'd probably hold. Carmelo Anthony down 6%. Get that garbage out of here! And Patrick Williams down 6% as well. Not guys that need to be held in 12-team league formats. The monstrous line of the night goes to Carl Anthony Towns, who had 27 and 15 with three blocks. And as I mentioned already, he's already the fourth-ranked player on a per-game basis this year. And then the rookie of the night is Isaac Okoro, who had 12 points with four triples, five rebounds, and three steals. But it's not even a top 300 player this year. A long, long way away from being able to impact even any deep fantasy leagues at this stage. Let's look at your top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues um, so far. Uh, Danny Green at number one. Again, more of a streamer for those defensive stats. Robbie Williams, we talked about him enough. The Chief, Al Farouk Aminu, who dropped in four steals and two blocks today. He's more of your deeper league guy. Daquan Jeffries at number four. Very interesting performance there. Bruce Brown at number five. Okoro at six. Campazzo at seven. Paddy Connaughton at eight. Again, sort of flashing some games, but really just a deep league player. Monty Morris at nine, a good assists option in 12-teamers. And then number 10 is Tristan Thompson, who is only the deepest of deep league options. Let's move across now to talk some DFS for Monday's games across the NBA. All right, so let's have a brief look ahead here to Monday's action. Six games on in the NBA. The first one, the Bulls and the Rockets. Um, 
DeMarcus Cousins, we know that scenario is a little bit weird with him getting bought out or traded and then apparently continuing to start until they're ready to move. And now he's questionable with a sore heel. I don't know what the hell will happen, whether he'll start or not. And if he is out, the only other center on the roster is Justin Patton. Do they just go PJ Tucker there and go with Nwaba in that starting lineup? Um, Gordon, House, Tate, and those guys? Yeah, it is a big question mark. Tucker's likely to return for this one, while Oladipo is doubtful. For Memphis and Dallas, Memphis rested a whole bunch of players over the weekend. They will be back. The only guys that will be out are Jaron Jackson and Dylan Brooks. So we get a, still a squishy guard and wing rotation with Winslow and Allen and Bain and Melton, but no Brooks in there to uh, muck it up even further. The Blazers and the Suns. The Suns are six and a half point favorites. Um, Portland, Harry Giles will be out. Phoenix, no injuries to report, so that's good. While Charlotte and Utah, looks like Devontae Graham will not play. While this will be Mike Conley's second game back, Graham is listed doubtful for this one. Miami and OKC, it is a back-to-back for the Thunder, so uh, we expect Al Horford not to play. For the Heat, they've got Tyler Hero listed as questionable, and Dragic and Avery Bradley are out. And then the last game is the Wizards and the Lakers. LeBron, Markeith Morris, and Kyle Kuzma are all probable. They'll all likely play. No Anthony Davis and, of course, no Dennis Schroeder. For the Wizards, um, it looks like everyone pretty much will be healthy for that one. Um, No questionable tags or anything like that that we need to pay any attention to. For some early fan jewel values for Monday, I do like Gildas Alexander. I like Eric Gordon quite a bit. I like DeAndre Ayton. I like a flyer a bit on DeAnthony Melton. I like Conley. I like LeBron, Isaiah Roby, Gobert, Porzingis, and Ja Morant. I'll be back tomorrow with a buy-low video and a pregame show, which will be going at 7.30 p.m. Eastern because the first game doesn't start until 8. So a little bit of a later start there. Don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.